0: Everybody, and welcome back to Opera Offstage. I'm Jesse, And I'm Michelle. And today we are going to be talking all about what I refer to as the great libretto debate or the great sheet music debate. There is kind of a divide in our community right now about the sharing of sheet music online, especially through drives and other resources. I want to break down like the ethics of sharing music online like that and in the ways in which we see it as acceptable or unacceptable. And I kind of want to get to the root of like why we're having such a problem with the sheet music industry and the publishing industry. But before we jump into all of that, we've got a couple of announcements.
1: Awesome. So we have our opera watch party this upcoming Friday, the 13th. Spooky. Um, And that will be at a regular time, 5 p.m., Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern. We'll be voting in stories and we're doing something a little bit different. So yesterday we threw up four famous singers for you guys to vote between and whoever we declare that winner, we will be picking four operas that they feature in. So vote in our stories tomorrow and we will announce that and be watching whatever opera you so desire and vote for on Friday. So join us on Discord. It's free. Discord's really awesome because You guys get to chat with us. We stream it all together. We watch it in real time. And it's a great chance to just, you know, get to communicate with some other young artists and uh, appreciate watching an opera. You know, it's a lot of fun.
0: Oh, it's such a good time on Sunday, November 22nd. We are gonna have a young artist party Didn't get invited to a yap this week doesn't matter now you have been we are going to be on discord again Playing jackbox games and just hanging out and having a good time It's just a nice way to meet new people and to play some really fun silly games it's a great time our discord is linked in our bio and That will be 5 Pacific, 8 Eastern.
1: Yeah, we'll be playing for around two hours. Jump in, jump out. All you need is a phone and a laptop or computer. And they're basic trivia games. They have some drawing. Uh, Don't be shy. We're all very friendly. And the games are super easy to learn. So definitely join us on that Sunday. And if you guys enjoyed last week's mini-sode, we actually have a bunch of mini-sodes available to listen to right now on our Patreon, and we've actually been kind of reworking some stuff over on our little Patreon page, and now our mini-sodes, which were originally available at our $10 level, have been scooted on down to our $5 level, so... Unlock all of that. Head over to our Patreon. You can find that information on our website, opera-offstage.com, or any of our socials at Opera Offstage. And if you guys saw last week, we launched our YouTube channel. Hooray! So, ah yeah, it's been a long time in the making. We have a lot of really fun and exciting videos coming out for you guys in the following months. So, subscribe to our YouTube channel, Opera Offstage, and uh, we have a lot of fun content coming out. Jesse and I have been, like, just creative juices flowing over here. So subscribe, share it with friends, and it's going to be a good
0: time. All right. So let's jump into this actual episode. The thing is that, and I don't think anyone would disagree, librettos and sheet music can be prohibitively expensive, especially for students and young singers.
1: Without a doubt.
0: And I don't think anyone would disagree with that basic problem.
1: Oh, no, without a doubt. It's just a universal struggle of being a young artist, is uh, being really excited about... Being cast in an opera after having to pay for, you know, probably hundreds of dollars in the application fee and the recordings and all this and yada yada, the auditions. And by the time you finally get to accept the role, you then have to go out and buy a score. And that always just kind of sucks. Yeah, and you may already
0: own a score and then a director asks for a specific publishing companies score so that everyone's scores are identical. So you may even have, you may have already sunk money in on a good score and still be asked to get another. Yep. And so kind of to illustrate this, I wanted to take a very popular opera and go through how much it costs for the different, a couple major publishers, just to give everyone an idea of like the minimum of a score that's been around for quite a while. So I took Don Giovanni and I Looked at the listings for Baron Ryder, Schirmer, Dover, and Ricordi. So the Baron Ryder was fifty six fifty. The Schirmer was thirty three dollars and three cents. The Dover was twenty five dollars even. Ricordi was thirty nine ninety five. So the cheapest was twenty five. The most expensive was fifty six fifty. I mean, when you think about how many operas you're expected to know, and you ex- expand that, you know, the the really the average in there is probably somewhere in the upper thirties, probably somewhere like $38, $39 if you average them all together. And even if you just took the Mozart operas, you're sinking a ton of money into these scores. Oh, yeah. Just to get one edition. And then on top of that, you've got these anthologies. Like, the other thing that singers own so many of it are these, like, soprano, bass, tenor, uh, baritone anthologies. And each of those is $20. So by the time you finish college, let's presume... That you bought a score for an opera each year and you also got five, six anthologies by the time you finished, which wouldn't even be that crazy. Like, that's not a, a crazy overestimation. You'd be paying somewhere in the range of $280. And that's just $280 just for those. And like I said, that's not even beginning to cover how much music people tend to collect. No, not at all. Add that on to the other expected expenses of being a student and it, it can be nigh on impossible and now there are you know competitions that require you to bring your books to prove that you own the music yeah 100 percent.
1: and i mean you picked a very cheap opera to use as an example you know what i mean our mozarts oh yeah are probably one of the cheapest this doesn't even begin to touch like the cost the supply and demand is on our side at least with the mozart operas if you go into some of the French operas or you know especially new operas or German operas uh, those can get really pricey like the minimum can be you know a hundred dollars and so yeah it's just it's pretty crazy you know not and this is just getting your score not to mention all of the coachings and vocal lessons and everything they actually go into preparing an opera and you know even if you're buying these song anthologies or these Aria anthologies, I don't even really always feel like those are really worth it. Because when you're planning like a 15 song recital, you're probably doing a lot of different stuff or different sets. And it's just, it gets so expensive so fast.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, and don't even forget, like there are some things you can't even have, you won't even have access to unless you buy them. Like there's stuff that libraries simply don't have because it's just a little too rare. So unless your school has a great library, there's plenty of music you cannot find. 100%. And so because of this, because of the prohibitive expense of these things, I've seen a lot of people, especially in the past year or so, arguing that we should be uploading our scores and uploading our sheet music onto drives and sharing them with each other, which is also a very controversial opinion for another set of musicians who say that that is stealing and that we shouldn't be putting copywritten music into online drives when, you know, there's a copyright. It's illegal. Of course. Um, and there's also, like, the technical idea of, like, music isn't a, a, what I would say, like, a single-use product in the way that movies or books might be. Like, if you watch a movie once, you very well may not ever watch it again, you know? Mm-hmm. But if you're downloading music, you are going to use it. You're probably going to use it. You may even make money off of performing that music. So that puts it in a different place than maybe what we would be talking about if we were talking about downloading movies or books. Yes? And so... The argument I've seen laid out on behalf of putting things on a drive and sharing them regardless of copyright is that it is an ethical way to combat the power publishers have over not just singers, but also composers. Mm -hmm. It's incredibly expensive to become a professional classical musician, and in that aspect, There is a lot of classism in our field in terms of like what we are expected to own and wear and do. Like there is a certain level of expense that is expected of us, regardless of hard work or talent or ability.
1: Yeah, not even, I wouldn't even say expected of us, literally truly required of us.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Like, I mean, the number of times, like when I go through these, another episode, we're going to talk a little bit about dress codes with opera and like the problems with that. But Yeah, the things that we're expected to own and the, you know, the travel we're expected to do, all of the stuff we're expected to do that comes with such a hefty, hefty price tag. You know, we've already covered with Yaps, like the price of just applying for a job you may not even get. Oh, yeah. And every
1: time we talk about audition where, you know what I mean, everybody always is like, oh, those Ralph Lauren dresses and all the jewel tones. That's the go to. Always gonna have those in every color. And it's like those dresses are like $80 to $120 every time. Like, <laughs> that's not accessible to many, many people. Yeah. Honestly, you could buy
0: one or two scores with that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We'll, we'll count things in scores. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> many of these scores are also in the public domain, and the composers are often long since dead. And so the idea is, why should a publisher be making massive amounts of money off of a work that isn't theirs and that arrangers and musicologists who often work on these scores aren't making money from individual sales they're usually paid for their work they don't usually make royalties off of it so the only person making money off of the sales themselves are publishers and that is the the basic outline of the argument i've seen
1: yep our field is definitely classist at every level
0: yeah there's no doubt about that i (laughs) nothing about what i'm about to discuss dealing with this is a is pushing back on the idea that there is classism in classical music. Like, don't Please don't mistake anything I say for that.
1: Oh, no. We all kind of easily and obviously acknowledge that it's saturated into literally every aspect of our field.
0: Yeah. And also, let me be clear. I'm not advocating when I talk about this next section that you should buy a score for every song you ever sing or ever so- um, assigned to you in a voice lesson or a class. There are plenty of times where you're not using the song except for one week in class. You don't need to buy a whole score for that. So I, I'm talking more for like when you're doing a full opera or maybe you're doing a recital where you would be get using the full actual score for anything. Yeah. But I, I don't know that I agree with the ethics of that. <laughs> the ethics of when it comes to copywritten material, uploading it onto a drive and sharing it. And my issue here, I mean, first and foremost, if they're a living composer you should pay them if you want good new music you should pay the people who make it and if you have an issue where you don't want to pay a certain publisher because you have a problem with how they run their business contact the composer directly they may have the ability to send you a digital copy or something for their own price check their website a lot of them do sell their pdfs online so definitely look at those options if you do have an ethical issue with publishing but please 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 do not share the music of living composers
1: yeah that's just rude (laughs) there's really no nicer way to put it than that's just rude and it's not you're not being a very good colleague to live musicians if you're just stealing living composers works
0: yeah and I saw a lot of people also saying that like well composers don't usually get a lot of the demand from they don't get a lot of money from the publisher for those works in which case like I said if that is your issue I would contact the composer directly in order to see what they want yeah. Like, do they want you to buy it from the publisher? Do they want you to buy it for yourself? Maybe they'll just send you a copy of it if they hate their publisher. But <laughs> but please do not take it upon yourself to make that judgment and steal someone else's work, especially if they're alive.
1: Yes. Pay your composers.
0: Pay your composers. Yeah. Or at least consult them. Like I said, there are composers who, who I do know could care less. Once the publishers bought it, they could care less if you steal it. <laughs> but, But please, please, please talk to them. Yes. Because even if they are not making money off of the individual sales, it might affect their ability to get future works published. You know, companies look at the sales for works to see if they want to publish more from that person. So very true. Keep that in mind. The other thing about this is when we go back to those musicologists and arrangers, especially when it comes to vocal music, you know, we use vocal scores. We're not using the full score. And so there is someone who usually has to arrange our music so that we are seeing just enough that we know what we're doing and not buried in the full orchestral score. Mm -hmm. And those people do tons and tons of research in order to compile these they also make them easy to look at and to make sure that like people are able to easily read and understand certain markings in the score that are disputed why certain choices were made if a score if the original copy of the score is hard to read why they believe that this is the correct marking like there's important research that goes into that and once again even if they're not making individual royalties off of those sales like if publishers aren't selling as many books they're not going to publish as many books they're not going to publish as many scores It will run down the line of eventually leading to less work for those people, even if they're not making individual money, like they're not going to be hired back if if people aren't buying scores. Right. Yeah. And it's not, I'm not, I'm going to come to solutions in a minute. I'm not saying keep supporting an industry you, you think is ethically wrong just to support people who didn't do anything wrong. We'll get around to like other ideas and options to continue to support those people, even if you hate the music publishing companies. But I want you to remember that like that still affects their work even if you're trying to stick it to the man.
1: Yeah, we're trying to we're trying to take down some some big publishing malpractices but not <laughs> musicologists who are just, you know, doing their job. <laughs>
0: musicologists and arrangers are our friends and like you might say like well aren't there already arrangements for all of these like aren't there already existing copies there really aren't Uh, a good friend of mine who is a coach and pianist and arranger had to make a vocal score for i believe a britain work so trust me when i say there are not arranged copies of all of these things like it does affect our ability to get access to them yeah
1: (laughs) vocal scores don't just magically appear from the sky people have to make them
0: yeah the vocal scores are like really well thought out (laughs) yes yeah because the vocal scores people have to take into consideration what is going to help the singer most to understand like where they're supposed to be coming in what do they need to see what is essential and they also have to make a piano reduction usually what you find in a vocal score beneath is a piano reduction and maybe a little marking that tells you which part is playing something so you know like oh the flute's playing right before my entrance Like, somebody has to do that, and they have to do it for a a three-hour work. Yeah, and they have to do it well.
1: We're also, you know, wanting to pay them for their expertise so that, you know, we are actually able to come in when we are supposed to come in because the reduction is actually correct and accurate.
0: Yeah. Well, the thing that I would most agree with people about uh, on this issue is that I think most people want to buy nice scores at the end of the day. Like, I don't think most people who use... These online drives plan to continue using them. Most of them use them in the interim as students or whatever until they get into a more professional setting where they can afford it. Mm-hmm. And I understand that. Like, I, I think that's generally how music works. Is most people just need access because they are students and they need the access to these things. And so, I I understand that the the ways we currently and and legally. Get around dropping a ton of money on scores are obviously libraries, especially university libraries, sharing your scores with friends. I've done that a lot. Buying used scores, really, really great, and underutilized. I know a lot of people are concerned that they're, you know, they don't want other markings in their scores, but it's really, really good way in the interim to get cheap scores. Michelle scored like a huge, huge amount of used scores not too long ago.
1: Yeah. Oh my goodness. Every time I go thrifting, I always check out the book section to see if there are any scores. And I have quite a few um, scores that I have thrifted that are actually in pretty good condition, and I got some that were going to be donated, and I said, hey, give them to me. <laughs> and so now, I mean, they're all Shermer scores, but, you know, it's nice to have them, and I can peruse through them without, you know, feeling guilty about trying to find some online PDF if I want to just look through this one opera. So, you know, thrifting and, and taking advantage of used scores is super cost effective. And you know, if some if you're trying to find a magic flute score and you're singing Pamina, like who cares if Papageno's highlighted or Monostatos? Like just get it,
0: you know? Yeah. And then obviously a lot of us use IMSLP and other public domain sites. And I think those are great. I think like that's the thing is I think we'd be better off maintaining these public domain sites with like the most recent operas to enter the public domain
1: oh my goodness IMSLP is like the ultimate godsend and don't be hating on IMSLP's sometimes sketch scores nothing is better than being able to download a a score quickly before a lesson or or coaching I mean come on 100% the best Tool ever,
0: and and on that note, I have no problem with people publicly sharing things that are public domain. Like if your if your drive is full of public domain stuff, that's fine. That's not what we're talking about. <laughs> please, please make uh, online drives and support IMSLP in in creating libraries of easily accessible public domain works, especially for things like Don Giovanni. We're really It entered the public domain so long ago, and so many versions and editions of it have entered the public domain, and realistically, we're not going to find anything massively new about Don Giovanni anytime soon, more than likely. So, in those cases, like, please use public domain stuff.
1: 100%.
0: Yeah. But in terms of, like, options that I would like to see, what I think would actually be a much more effective way of tackling this problem than just simply uploading copywritten material to an online drive. Um, I would love to see online libraries with digital copies that are available via subscription. That's essentially how real life libraries work as well. They either function on taxes or on your tuition for school but i think that online libraries with digital copies and making that simply available would actually help a lot of people the big problem would be whether or not you could print um and that that i think will always be a sticking issue but i would also like to see access to more online sheet music libraries for students obviously we have access to massive amounts of sheet music in terms of like the actual physical books but i would like to definitely see more access to online libraries for students yeah more digital access
1: yeah I guess the only problem with digital access and digital copies is I think sometimes the assumption is, um, oh, you know, it would be nice if we had digital scores so that I could put it on my iPad and just bring that instead of having to buy for these, uh, you know, paying a higher price for a physical score that's shipped out to me from Europe or wherever. But it's still not the most accessible option because you're still making the assumption of having, you know, like a $1,200 iPad Pro. Absolutely. Like, that's no joke. So even that still is very tricky, you know, even digital copies and, you know, is still very inaccessible to many people. So, yeah, but obviously, you know,
0: there are ebook forms of some scores and they're not really significantly less expensive. And that drives me crazy because I do presume that for a number of these scores, the main cost is in nice printing. Yeah. And the binding of a score. Yeah. Well, if, if a score has been around long enough where there aren't going to be significant updated edits, like I understand for rare scores, why they tend to be a little, they tend to be much more expensive. Like that is uh, so like whether or not I agree on that being reasonable. Um but, but with like I said, like with Don Giovanni and stuff like that, why the ebook form is still so expensive uh, baffles the mind
1: <laughs> very true yeah, it wouldn't ni- it would be nice to see an actual helpful price drop
0: significant price drop on on the digital copy of those pieces of music, of course. I would also like to see them start selling individual arias and like works. I would like to see smaller editions i. Especially what if you made things available online. Because the fact is, is, if I couldn't buy the whole thing, I could buy, you know, the soprano arias or, like, the characters parts of that. Like, I would love to see smaller options to make things easier on students who just can't afford the full score yet.
1: Yeah, or the full, like, ginormous anthology where they probably won't sing, like, 70% of the things in it, you know? That's how I feel. Is it, is it the Shermer anthologies? Gosh. What's the super famous one? That's like soprano coloratura soprano and I'm like, yeah, those are this the This is Shermer way ones. too wide of a range. Like nobody's in here getting even more than 50% of the use from it. You know what I mean? It's like Oh,
0: you know what else would be cool if they had like a build your own option where you just got exactly what you wanted and they just like <gasps> kind of spiral bound it for you.
1: Oh, wouldn't that be a dream? That'd probably be even more expensive, though. Shermer,
0: I'll give you that idea for free. Make a... The Build-A-Bear of Scores.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, goodness. Wow. Okay, catch us being the Build-A-Bear of Scores.
0: (laughs) Exactly. 2021. (laughs) I would love to see more well-developed and maintained public domain libraries, because I understand why for people IMSLP is not necessarily enough. They do incredible work, and if you can donate to them, you should. <laughs> I, am not, I am not in any way taking a, a swing at them. But I would like to see more editions uploaded. I would like to see more uh, options available to people. <laughs> no more barely edited, updated editions in order to th- keep things in copyright. That's silly and that is 100% just the publishing industry being the publishing industry. That's nonsense. Yeah, that's really bad. That That's truly the part where we look at them and it's just like, ah, yes.
1: You are not on our side.
0: <laughs> yeah, but I think the biggest thing I would really love to see is better small publishers, better small music publishers, because it's not enough to just defund bad industries. Because at the end of the day, when we defund these publishing companies we're going to run into problems with with music because the reality is is that a lot of the longevity of certain pieces exists in the fact that like there are so many copies of them Mm -hmm. the accessibility to those copies matters and if you end publishing then you do run into the issue that there will at that point be a finite number of physical copies in the world and that's a problem and obviously it's easy to think like oh but there will be digital online versions and they'll exist forever but like Online digital things also disappear. They also get erased. They also. And so I think, I don't think I ever really want to see music publishing in the physical sense go away forever. And I I don't think that's immediately going to happen if people start fighting back. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying the people with Google drives are single-handedly going to run these mass industries out. (laughs) (laughs) i'm not blaming you and i'm not i'm not accusing you but i'm saying like when i think about the long-term implications of some of these actions i do want to see in the same way that i love seeing small opera companies rise up and do the work that big opera companies won't i want to see small music publishers and i want to see them make better deals with composers and arrangers i want to see everyone profit better off of more community and less hierarchy Take, for example, A Modern Reveal who teamed up with Hildegard Publishing and they put out 24 Italian songs and arias by women composers this year. I think there are publishing groups worth supporting and I'd love to see a lot more of those. Because I think even just having a book like that really does help us expand our reach. Yeah, I think, I think to me there are, just, there are better ways to fight this fight than just illegally sharing music. And don't get me wrong. If you put a drive somewhere, I'm not gonna tell on you. I haven't been completely ethical in the way I've gotten all of my music, and I'm not gonna lie to your your ears about it. Yeah, I mean it's just kind of. So I'm not I'm not sitting here gonna I'm not saying I'm gonna go around and tell on everyone who ever publishes a Google Drive that's got some copywritten material. But I do want us to think about long term how do we create a more sustainable industry rather than just trying to to take out the one that exists. Yeah. Things are made better by introducing good competition um and supporting it. So how can we kind of support small publishers? How can
1: we support, you know, the practices that we would rather see rather than just freely sharing copying righted music online?
0: Well, I think I think until we start seeing publishers that are smaller, I think a couple of the things we can do is definitely support your local music stores. Local physical music stores are really, really important. And that means not buying directly from any of these publishers and also not buying from Amazon. If you can find local music stores around you, try and support them as much as you can, because they're not only great resources for for music, but they're also great resources for used music, which is a really, really important way that in terms of how we make music accessible. Yeah, I think the other big thing is that we start paying attention and if you can document the scores that have significant changes, like if there is an updated score that actually makes a significant change because something was discovered about the original or a really bad misprint, like that's something to pay attention to. That's something where we might have to deal with the fact that like an updated copy is needed. But the ones that have minimal to no change from one edition to the next, well, that's one we can start sending people to IMSLP for instead of requiring to get them the updated editions. But until we compile that information, it becomes very hard for people who run music events or music concerts or all, any of that to know because there is obviously brand name trust when you look at some of these publishers, whereas maybe a brand name distrust with a couple of them. But. <laughs> As opposed to sending people to IMSLP where uh, people might not know how old or new or what mistakes exist in any given score. So the more information we have on that, the better. And the other thing that you can do to support that is start considering what among the scores you have may have entered the public domain. Now, I am not the person to ask about that. (laughs) They would... I I do, I'm not even certain, honestly, at this point how I would check, but I will eventually go through my scores because if I have scores that I can scan and upload to share to places like IMSLP, which once again, if you'd also like to donate to them since they maintain an incredible library, uh, just like Wikipedia, help them out. (laughs) But that's the other thing is contributing to those sites who have given us so much.
1: Yeah, I can't even tell you how much music I've downloaded from IMSLP. <laughs> it's insane.
0: Yeah, so I'm I'm once again, I'm not going I'm not like trying to pick a fight with people who are sharing their stuff online. I'm I'm not going to come for you. I'm not going to report you. I just want us to think about sustainability long term because there's no doubt That music scores are too expensive and it makes things very difficult. But I do also want us, especially as singers, to continue to support the arrangers and musicologists and composers who make that possible, who make our work possible. Definitely. Yeah.
1: Like I said, we can we can bash on publishers for malpractice and just unethical ways of of selling and, you know, keeping things from becoming public domain. But we also don't want to help or hurt our fellow musicians
0: we don't want to hurt music. We don't want to hurt musicians. We don't want to hurt musicologists. And we don't want to hurt the longevity of these pieces. Like, there are pieces now even that are super hard to find because they're out of print. And, like, those especially upload to your drives. But but I want to see music continue to prosper regardless of what these publishers do. Absolutely. Yay. Yeah. So... I think there's ways that we can fight the classism in our industry and also, you know, we're in an incredible period of change for our industry and I think there are ways that we can build a better future and one that allows truly everyone to prosper and for everyone to have more access and more equal access while also preserving what is good about publishing. And I I really have hope for that. We did a lot of research for this episode, and I really did try to look at all sides of this argument. But the fact is, is that, you know, it's entirely possible that I miss things. And I would actually love to hear everyone's thoughts on this There's definitely stuff I may have missed. There are viewpoints that I may not have completely understood or may not have represented correctly. So if you would like to reach out to us and talk to us about this and possibly educate us about this, I would love to hear from you. You can talk to us on Instagram and Facebook. That's at Opera Offstage. You can also contact us through our website, opera-offstage.com. We have a contact form there. And I really look forward to hearing people uh, about this because this has definitely been uh, such an interesting issue to follow this year.
1: 100 percent we will see you guys next week join us for our opera watch party this friday at 5 pacific 8 eastern and we'll chat with you guys next week bye bye